Well, we've pretty much sung my message, so. I couldn't help it. We were singing that, you know, I'm a child of God. And I just kept wanting to go, yes, I am. Yeah. It's just something of this one in me, in me just want to go, yes, I am. You know, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people around that want to tell you who you are. They want to define you. They, they, want to, they want to control your meaning and your significance in this world. But I am a child of God. Yes, I am. And I can just take that one with me all day long. Great songs, great songs. Did you bring your swords with you? We're going to look in Psalm 22 today. Would you stand with me for the to honor the reading of the word? Be upstanding, as the Brits would say. This is a wonderful psalm. It, uh, there's just more here than I have time to even begin to try to unpack. So I'm not going to try to do it all. Okay, Psalm 22. Are you ready? The Lord be with you. Listen for the word of God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? From the words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our ancestors trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a human, scorned by others, despised by the people. All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. Yet it was you who took me from the womb. You kept me safe on my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth, and since my mother bore me, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. See, we're, we're getting too excited. It's time to bring it all down, don't you think? <laughs> but more times than we would like to recount, we have been exactly where this psalmist was, have we not? More times than we would like to remember, we have felt like we were about as down and out as we could get. Life happens. I remember a good friend of mine used to pastor out in Pasadena, oh, early. And Earl used to say, life is tough and you'd better like it. I never quite made peace with that statement, but I think there's some truth there. Well, may I pray with you before we talk about it? 
Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have been gracious to us. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. Help, Lord, I just want to say that together with all of us. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And Lord, if you are with me, if you are with us, who on earth could stop what you have in mind? For you are sovereign Lord. May we allow you to be Lord in our lives. In Jesus' name, yes, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless. You may be seated. What's happening here? What's going on in this psalm? This is one of those psalms where we have a hard time trying to figure out exactly what the historical situation is. Is this, is this something about David's experience? Is it David writing? What does it mean to say it's a psalm of David? Is there some obscure thing that happens in kings' lives in their yearly walk that there was a, 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 a ritual that they went through in which they were humiliated? Is that what's going on here? And after we've done all the looking about in this psalm, we end up back to where we were at the beginning. I don't know what in the world this is about. But I don't have to know all the particulars because I can easily resonate with the sense and the feeling of what's going on here. It's a personal lament, a lament of suffering. There is, there is deep suffering, but along with that, there is also what suffering often does, and that is it robs us of hope. It, it causes us to think this is the way it is and the way maybe it's always going to be and that there is no end to this. It, it also is... Uh, a psalm of lament that speaks about how ever-present evil is all around me. Those who would delight in my failures and my faults. There are people out there that would love for you and for me to abandon all our hope in Jesus. And one of the reasons, I don't have time to talk about this, but let me just... One of the reasons is, is that when they see the hope that lies in us and they see the faithfulness that we are living out, it convicts them. Do you know the only place in the entire New Testament where the Holy Spirit is mentioned as having anything to do with people not in the church, outsiders, is when Jesus is talking to his disciples and he tells them a time is that, that, that indeed that it's expedient that he goes away. Because if he doesn't go away, then the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, will not come. But he, when he comes, where is he coming? To you, or quite frankly, allow me to put my southern on here, to y'all. But, but if I go away and he comes to you, to y'all, he will convict the world concerning sin and judgment and righteousness. It's the only place the Holy Spirit is referred to as having anything to do with the world. And even there, it is what he does in the midst and through the lives of his people. That doesn't mean it's all he does. It's just all the New Testament mentions. But that sometimes in the way that we live, I'm going to testify about this because it was my experience when I was the only one in my home that was a Christian. Sometimes what happens in our lives and the changes that take place in our life 
robs others from excuse that, well, this is just the way it has to be and that they can't change. Do you know that people are watching you all the time? You always felt that was so, didn't you? <laughs> Somebody's watching me. But they do. Well, it gets to the place where the psalmist is even thinking about his death. He prepares for it. He begins to think about what it's going to be like with all of these ravenous dogs that are going to just scatter his bones all over the place and, and, and just out everything out of joint and, and torn up. But here's the question. The question is, to God, why are you so far away? There's a sense of loneliness as his enemies are closing in. He feels like he is poured out like water, that his heart is melted like wax. Like the, it, has no, it has no stability, has no standing up on its own. It, his, he is just dried out like a piece of broken pottery, protured, if you will. And his enemies are closing in. Strong bulls of Bashan, roaring lions, these ravenous dogs, the wild oxen, these ones that seem to be more terrible and more strong and more overwhelming than he is going to be able to handle and going to be able to stand up against. And they're all around him. All kinds of sounds that are discouraging and defeating. Those that rejoice over the misery of this one who is God's person. And then he reflects. He looks backward and he thinks about the things that he has heard and the things that he's been taught. He looks back and thinks about those who have gone before him and their testimony, the, the stories of the patriarchs, the stories of the great people of God and how, and how God had helped them. Those who had trusted before. I mean, there was a time when this God, and by the way, he shifts names now. Because in the first part of the psalm, he uses the name for God that actually is one that's kind of borrowed from the Canaanites, from those foreigners. This God name El, the high and lifted up God. But it's not long until in the psalm he switches now. And now he begins to talk about the same God, but he uses a different name. The name that, he, that was common with the patriarchs. The name that he gave Moses when Moses said, who shall I say sent me? We don't know how to say the name. I, I, even today, when you're reading the name in, 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 the, in Hebrew, when you get to that name, we don't, we don't even try to say it. it it's, the pronunciation pointings under it are, are missing because the understanding is that none of us are holy enough to pronounce this name of God. We're all unworthy. It's a wonderful sense. Now, you can tell when that word shows up in your Bibles, even if you don't read Hebrew, because every time that name shows up in that, that four-letter word we don't know how to pronounce, it's always written in your English translations in capital letters, L-O-R-D, but all caps. 
And in the middle of the psalm, he switches to talk about this, this God that is Israel's God that has led them through all of these issues and these, and these triumphs in the past when they faced trouble before. And the point that is being made not so subtly is that this, this God of all others is the God that we're talking about. That there is just one God. This, this God that we, that we use all kinds of other names for. But there's just one. The one who was a present help in times of trouble for our ancestors. Stories abound about God's mighty acts in the past. About when God rescued his people when they were between the rock and the hard place. About the ways in which he did not allow his followers to be put to shame in the past. But now things have changed for the psalmist. And he begins to change his heart and his mind to make a decision not to be overcome in the discouragement, but rather to change his focus. You see, a lot of times when we're just looking around us, it can really be discouraging. It can be troubling. It can drive us to the end of ourselves. I, I remember when I was in, in seminary, cemetery, whatever it is. <laughs> I remember at the end of those three years, I, I actually it was four years for me, I squeezed three years into four. <laughs> because I laid out a year because I was getting married to my first wife who happens to be my only wife. <laughs> and I laid out a year to rub some nickels together because I certainly had none. Bought a house, paid cash, $6,000. Do you have any idea what kind of house that was? <laughs> it was painted in some military reject green. It, it had two bedrooms. One was added on, but it did so at the expense of covering all the windows in the other bedroom. So that was the that was the that was the land of midnight in there. You could and, and I had and I had brought home. I used to work at a carpet place, a warehouse, and and I had my motorcycle and I would ride to work. And somebody would turn in a carpet that was bad, and they were just going to throw it away. And I'd find a way to strap that carpet on the back of my motorcycle and ride it home. There were some drunks that sobered up in the middle of town as I would drive through. And I, and I would cut that thing, I would cut that, it had, didn't have enough piece, didn't have a big enough piece to fit the whole room, so I just kind of cut it up in squares and used double-sided double tape and just made squares and it just kind of made that middle bedroom. Somebody's nodding your heads, I think maybe you've seen this before. It's how, it's how us poor people live, okay? <laughs> and, and so anyway, we, I'd bought that house and, 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 I, was, and I, was, I, was in, I was enjoying that house and I thought, man, this is great. I started working on it. Us bachelors had been living in it up till then. I started cleaning it up. I worked hard. I bought a used furnace and installed that used furnace because I couldn't afford a new one. 
$35, and I put a new furnace, what was new to me, in that house. Unfortunately, there was nowhere to put cold air returns, so that was a little bit of a problem. You know, you get into this kind of stuff, and you get, you get going in that, and you think about the good old days. You think about all the troubles that you went through, and sometimes you get to the place where I'm, I'm getting ready for this exam. There's a comprehensive exam at the end of those three years, and I'm hoping that I don't get, I don't get a bad draw of people that's going to be examining me. They can ask you any question they want. Yeah, well, it started out with Paul Bassett, and then started out with a bunch of others. And I'm sitting there looking at this crowd and just thinking, I am so toast. I am so toast. And you face these things and you think, there's no way I'm going to make it through. But yet on the other side of it, here I am. I survive. <laughs> you know, sometimes if you try to think about the thing that was troubling you last year this time, that you thought was going to do you in, you may not even be able to remember it. And yet here you are. Here we are. The psalmist reflects backwards and he says, and he say, gets his eyes off from his troubles, gets his eyes off from those around him, changes his focus and instead begins to look toward God. He says, you have rescued me. I will trust and give you praise. I will not let your praise end with me. I'm not going to be the dead end of your praise and of your glory in this world. It's a decision that we make. It's a decision that we put our trust in God even when we are struggling in the moment. We put our focus on him, the one who simply does not fail. I'm reminded of a passage of Scripture. Thou wilt keep him in... I memorized this in King James. I got I to explain that sometimes to people. You know, you say, well, I, King James Version. People say, you know, I know who the Virgin Mary is, but who's this King James Virgin? <laughs> but in, 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 the, in the King James, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Well, he decides that he is going to change his focus. And he's not going to become the dead end, the termination of God's praise and God's glory and God's trustworthiness. And he understands that there is an effect because by living through the sorrows by living through the pain by living through the suffering by living through the disappointment by living through the troubles and yet maintaining the focus he then says that those who follow from every corner of the world even generations yet unborn are going to have another reason to trust and to give God's praise no wonder Jesus and the gospel writers had this psalm in mind when they were talking about the cross of Jesus. Do you notice some of the things that were said? Places I hadn't, I hadn't actually read. Those that were 
He was scorned by others and despised by the people. They mocked him. They, they said, commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Circled by enemies all around. Your bones are out of joint. That's not confident that that's how to read that. Dogs gather around me. They divide my clothes, and for them they cast lots. 